Everybody glad you're here? Um, <laughs> baby, you are in the Lord's house on the Lord's day with the Lord's people. Uh, man, and he is present in this place. If, man, if you're joining us online, we love you guys. I love you. And I look forward. I mean, I just love the thought of seeing you here in person with us because God is doing something extraordinary in our midst. For the last nine weekends in a row, people have dropped their lives, surrendered themselves fully to Jesus, and gone public with their belief in him by being buried with him in baptism and raised up by the supernatural power of God, put their life on a whole new trajectory. And so, uh, man, we're pretty jazzed up. Uh, but I'm so glad you're here. But please, you got to come back next week and bring a friend. I've been the pastor here for 41 years. And we're doing a teaching series we've never done before. It's called Jesus Changes Everything. And man, I really tried for months. Um, I've got these packets to give you. I ordered 1,200 of them. They each have bracelets that say Jesus Changes Everything. But I've only got 600. So maybe we can do one per family. You can fight over them at home. Uh, but the first 600 uh, here, our campus in Janesville, uh, I, I want you to have those and wear them. But mostly I want you to come here next weekend and experience the Jesus who changes everything. And if you're here for the first time, man, we're delighted that God has brought you. And I, I just want to be upfront with you about something super important. I know there's a lot said out there about churches and probably about this church, about pastors and likely about me. So I just want to go public uh, about this. Um, I'm only and always all about Jesus. That's all you got when you get me is just Jesus. I am not affiliated with uh, politics. I'm in a real relationship with Jesus so when you come, you're not going to hear uh, politics stuff. You're going to hear about Jesus. I have no agenda. I just have Jesus, and he is more than enough. I'm not here. Um, if you're hoping to hear me discuss or debate social issues, that's not me. I'm here to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead because only the gospel is the supernatural power of God to change lives, to change marriages, to change families, to change you. Get that. Christ crucified for your sins and risen from the dead. When you surrender yourself to that reality, it unleashes the supernatural power. Politics can't do that. Opinions, whatever your opinion might be on anything, you might as well get rid of them now because they are powerless to change your life. But the gospel will transform who you are. <clears throat> so, um, in, in being all about Jesus, this church shares his devotion to children. In fact, I got a picture I wanted you to see that just kind of give you an image of how our church wants to come around him as our Jesus comes around children. And uh, his love is gonna be our love. What he says we're going to say and what he does we're gonna try to do. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a world that is sharply painfully divided, divided on race, 
divided on politics, divided on uh, social issues, divided by opinions. And I, I believe that what this sharply divided world needs now more than anything is a church united on Jesus. Um, I mean, we're even fighting about fried chicken sandwiches right now. Have you heard about the chicken wars? Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's and McDonald's versus everybody else. <laughs> no, they're versus KFC. But I mean, we laugh at that, at the very thought of it. They do it to make us laugh. But the polarization in our country is heartbreaking. And I believe like never before, the answer, the answer to a sharply divided world, what they desperately need is a church united on the person and power and saving grace of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to tell you something. On the night, I mean, this is probably the wee hours of the morning, probably way past midnight. By nine o'clock in the morning, he's going to be hanging, helplessly dangling from a cross, nails spiking his wrists and his ankles to this blood-stained timber. He is just hours away from his execution. And guess what? He's thinking about you. He's praying for you in those hours. I think the, the Last Supper is over. I think they have journeyed past the temple. They're down to the, the crease of the Kidron Valley where it runs the Kidron Creek. And it doesn't run with water. On this night, it runs with blood. It happens to be the drainage ditch for temple sacrifice. And within a few days, uh, a quarter of a million sheep have been slaughtered. It's just running with blood. And there stands the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's going to step over, jump over, get over that creek, that creek running with blood. And he's gone his way to the cross. But before he does, he gathers around him, huddles up with 11 of his closest friends, and he starts to pray what's called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's found in John 17. You can read all of it yourself when you get home. He starts out praying for those 11 guys who were huddled up with him. And then he shifts spiritual gears and begins to pray for you, begins to pray for me, begins to pray for his church. Here's how he prays. Jesus says, he's talking to God. This is God the Son talking to God the Father. I'm not praying just for these 11 guys here with me. I'm also praying for everyone else who will have faith because of what my followers will say about me. I wanted all of them to be one with each other, just as I am one with you and you are one with me. I want them to be one with us. Isn't that wild? It's not just that he's praying that we would be unified as a people believing in and devoted fully to Jesus, but that in that union, we would achieve a union with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? So, so our candidate would get elected, so our perspective on any social issue, so that our opinion posted on Facebook would get the most likes? When you post your opinion on Facebook, you will get likes. But the other people think you're nuts. Worse, they think you're a terrible person. So why would Jesus pray for our unity? Lay the opinions down. Who needs them? Set aside the apology. You know what? I found I can live without politics, but I cannot live without seeing people come into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So Jesus says, I'm praying. I'm praying that all of Central Christian will be unified like never before so they can be unified with me and you, Father. Why? So that the world, the people of this world will believe that you sent me. Even if everyone agreed with your politics, it wouldn't be enough for people to believe that Jesus is God who came to earth through human birth, lived a sinless life, knew no sin, did no sin, died on the cross in our place as our substitute for our sins. On the cross, he was taking the punishment we deserve for our sin. Taking it all. When he was standing by the Kidron Creek praying, as that ditch ran with blood, he knew what was coming. He knew they were going to pull his beard out by the roots. He knew they were going to beat him in the head again and again with a club. He knew they were going to beat his face beyond recognition. He knew that because he knew what the word of God said. He knew what was coming. He knew they would lash his back until it was a piece of hamburger. They knew that he, he knew that he would be on the cross dangling helplessly between heaven and earth until he died when they shoved that spear up under his ribcage and into his heart and pulled out blood and water. He knew it all. And knowing that that's not what was on his mind, you are on his mind. We, me and you are on his mind that we would be one and one with he and God the Father. Why? So that the world would know that God sent him to be our Lord and our Savior. You see, on that night, hours before his death, his number one priority was our unity, that we would be one, that we would be willing to get, get rid of anything. Get rid of our opinions. Who needs them? Get rid of our politics. I mean, I, I, I count as precious my freedom to vote, but I try to stay as far away from politics as possible because they are divisive, because they lead to arguments. I want people to know Jesus. I want people to see Jesus. I want an opportunity to speak to, speak to people of Jesus. And... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just be real with you. Here is a church. This is why we're only and always about Jesus because our only hope of unity is to make and keep Jesus as our main thing. Just have him the main thing and keep making him the main thing. So here's, here's the deal. He's praying that prayer that night. He's got the guys gathered around him. He's got you and me. He's praying for his church. I need a church so united it can get through all the problems, all the pain, all the pandemics and come out strong. So he's praying for us. Well, 20 years later, the church in Corinth blows up with this huge conflict. And so this prolific author, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. He whips off a letter to the church in Corinth, and here's what he writes, trying to get them all on the same page, trying to get all their focus set not on each other, what they think, what their opinions are, what their politics are, but on Jesus. Here's what he writes. I appeal to you. I beg you. I'm, I'm begging you guys. I'm begging you, dear brothers and sisters. If you're a church, you're family. Now, I know what he means because I, I got family. My, my daughter and her husband, Aaron, are here today with their new baby, Soleil. That means everything to me because she's my girl. I have a brother. He's a pastor. His wife has pancreatic cancer. We're family, so we suffer together. I have mom and dad. My mom and dad, my dad's 94, my mom's 90. I call them every day to make up for the way I was when I was a teenager. I, 
I've got three boys. They're each married. They've got children. I know what it means to be family. And you're my family. You're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. And I am committed to you. And we together are committed to Jesus. I'm begging you guys, Paul writes, I'm begging you, your family, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority, not by my authority, but by the highest authority, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Hey, I've been told about your quarrels. And guess what? 2,000 years later, there's still quarrels and still quarrelsome people going to church. There's some people who just like to fight. They just like to argue. They just like to complain. They just like to criticize. They just like to gossip, spread rumors. I love the way that Nehemiah, have you ever heard of him? Nehemiah, God had given them this huge building project. He was supposed to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And so he's going after it night and day with as many people as he can get to help him. But man, did he have the critics? Did he have the complainers? And look, they wanted to talk to him. Here's what he said to them. I love the way he handles critics. He says, I'm doing a great work for God. I ain't got time for you guys. I'm not going to come down from this great work. You just drain my energy. You just exhaust me. God has given me a great work. I'm going to do the work. I'm not going to talk to you. That church in Corinth, um, Paul wrote that letter, and later, now he's close to death, and um, this is his second letter to Timothy, the young pastor of the church in Ephesus, Paul's son in the faith, and he writes this to Timothy. He says, hey, don't get involved in foolish arguments on Facebook and Instagram. It only upsets people and makes them angry. God's people must not be quarrelsome. You know, the last couple of years, uh, unity in churches has really been tested. Um, 30% of the churches in America that were in existence before COVID are no longer in existence now, 30%. The last song was sung, the last prayer was praised, prayed, the last sermon given, the door shut, out of business. 30% of the churches in America torn apart by devices. Churches split over the race issue. Churches split over politics. Churches split over positions on cultural, social issues. And I wonder, I wonder why. I mean, what I watched, what I watched, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. What I watched beginning in 2020, there was this great reshuffling of the deck. And I'm not into reshuffling. I want to reach people who don't know Jesus. I want people showing up here who've never been to church a day in their lives. And I want them to see and know Jesus. But there's this big reshuffling of the deck. People leaving one. They, they would leave church A because they thought church A was leaning Republican. 
It probably wasn't. That was just their perspective. So they ran over to church B that they felt was more in line with their politics. Or they thought church A was leaning Democrat. It probably wasn't. But they, that was the first, but they ran over to church C that they thought was more in line with their policy. Big reshuffling of the deck. And it wasn't just churches that divided over these families divided. So that family members are no longer speaking to family members over politics. Friendships dissolved over positions on cultural issues. Now, what is it that, it's, that is at the heart of divisiveness? I believe it is emotional insecurity and spiritual immaturity. Because here's what I know. Someone who is mature in Christ, let me show you, I'll just say it this way. It takes maturity in Jesus to be united with someone and not always agree with them. You never stop being united. You never stop calling them brother or sister even though you may not always agree with them. I mean, I wish all of you would agree with me on everything, but I know there's always going to be twisted, disturbed people who don't see things like I do. <laughs> Heck, my Debbie and I don't always agree. And what irritates me is that she's usually right. We don't agree, but we've been united in 48 years of marriage. My mom and dad don't agree. My dad sits in the living room watching Fox News. My mom sits in the family room watching CNN, and then they yell back and forth at each other. My mom and dad don't agree with each other, but they've been married, united in marriage for 73 years. It merits a hand clap, but the same is true of the church of Jesus Christ. We can be united with all our heart and focus on Jesus and not necessarily have to agree about, I'm calling them marginal, peripheral issues. They may swell up to be the biggest thing, but they will blind you to Jesus. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, none of that stuff matters. What matters at the end of your life is whether or not you knew Jesus as Lord and Savior and where you're going to spend the rest of your eternity. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you realize this, but a huge research firm, uh, the Barna Group, just researched, they, they surveyed thousands and thousands and thousands of people who don't go to church. And, and the question, one of the questions was, um, what would make you accept the invitation of a friend um, ever to go to their church? You know what was one of the number three top answers? They said, if I saw the church more unified, I would say yes to an invitation. Think about that. I mean, one of the things I love about this church through the years, people come here from all kinds of backgrounds. And um, really, all that stuff, just differences just kind of fade away. And but it's not because of group think. It's because together we are devoted solely, only, and always to Jesus. He's it. Uh, but let me just do a little survey in this room. Um, if you grew up in a 
church different than this one, if, uh, or you attended a church different than this one before you came here, I'm gonna say a church's name, and you just say it back to me if that was the church you grew up in or that you attended at some time. Like I would say Baptist, and if you grew up in a Baptist church or attended a Baptist church before coming here, you just say Baptist back to me, okay? And this is the time in the service where it's okay to be rowdy. Are you ready? I just used the first one, Baptist. Are you ready? Baptist. Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian. Okay, we got to start inviting some Presbyterians here. (laughs) Methodist, Charismatic. Oh, we really got to get some Charismatic people here. Okay, here's the deal. I could go on and on, and there's some that I would miss. Okay, so what I'm gonna do right now, if you grew up in a certain kind of church or you attended it at some time before you came here, when I say three, I'm gonna go one, two, three. When I say three, you just shout out the name of the church you grew up in or that you attended before you came here. Are you ready? One, two, three. That was ugly. Okay. I'm going to say the name of our Lord and Savior. I want you to say it after me. Are you ready? Jesus. Jesus. Louder. Jesus. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Jesus. Whisper it. Jesus. That's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. And we look most like him, our Jesus when we are united in love. People are sick of hearing about the love of Jesus. Why is that? We, we tell them, hey, you know, God loves you and so do we. Loves you just as you are. People are sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They are hungry to see the love of Jesus in action. So we got a phenomenal thing going on here at Central Christian. Um, what God is doing here is absolutely remarkable. And it's not what, just what he's doing in this room, service after service. It's, it's what he's doing in you. I don't know if you realize this, but earlier this year, our church was identified as one of the one, top 100 fastest growing churches in America. And I found that out when they called to interview me. And I said, have you got the right church? They said, is this David Clark? Yeah. Central Christian below. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the top 100 fastest growing churches in America. Well, this week it came out in print. And as I went through the article, I saw we were number 75. And uh, out of what? Is there 600,000 churches in America? And you know what? That's an honor of sort. But any day of the week, I would trade it to be the most unified church on Jesus ever. That's what matters, friends. That's that's what matters. So I'm going to give you a half a dozen quick practical steps we can take to keep our church, not to take for granted what God is doing here, but to keep being the kind of place where Jesus wants to show up and show off. Here's step number one. We unite with Jesus in his heart for people far from God. 
That's his number one thing. Read the 15th chapter of Luke. He tells story after story after story that he is all about reaching people, that the reason he came was to reach people far from God. So that's what we're about. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you know Jesus. I'm, I'm glad you are in a relationship with him. But there are tens of thousands of people around us who need to know his love, whose lives need to be changed by the good news that he died for our sins and rose from the dead. And our hearts unite with the heart of Christ when we get passionate about helping people far from God. Did you see all the lights up in our gallery area? All those lights, I think I have a picture. Yeah, every light bulb, every light bulb has names on it. We took a couple of weekends and we wrote the names of our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members. And we made a commitment. We're going to put those lights up there. We're going to let them burn bright and we're going to pray for them every day. In fact, I had a mom here in the last service who introduced me to her adult daughter and she leaned over and she said, I wrote her name on my light bulb. We're in a season of 40 days of prayer right now, and for 40 days, we are praying every day for the people we care about, that they will come to church with us, that they will come into right relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. We unite with Jesus in his heart for serving others. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, and we are take on his likeness as we serve others. So I wanted to ask you, where have you made a decision? to take your one and only life and use it to serve others in this church. Where are you serving? Where are you making a difference? Uh, last night, yesterday afternoon, late in the afternoon, my Debbie got a text and uh, she was informed that she was needed if she'd be willing to serve in our nursery. So she said yes. And instead of being in here to hear me preach this outstanding sermon, um, she held a five-month-old baby. Now, I have a granddaughter who's pushing three months. So Debbie's got this little five-month-old baby in her arms. And when we get out of church, we're in the truck on our way, as every good person should be, to Pizza Hut. No, you guys go to another pizza place. I just want pizza up for myself. But I, she says, I, all I did for the last hour was hold that little five-month-old girl, and I said, sweetheart, you have no idea what you did. That little girl's mom is in a drug rehab facility right now trying to break free of addiction. I can't imagine how heart-rending it must have been. That mom wants to be the best mom in the world, and to be the best mom in the world, she has to get free of drugs, but she had to spend time as a result. You, you were serving that mom in her recovery, you're serving the girl. And Debbie, you're serving Jesus. Even now, this morning, she was, she was asked again in this service, when she should be here, listening to her husband preach. She was asked to be in, in Kids Works, and she is. Why? I would like to think there is joy in being married to David Clark. But there ain't. But I guarantee you, there's joy in serving Jesus. That's what unifies it. If you serve on one of our serving teams, you'll find out what unity is about. You just are made one in Christ. Here's the next one. We unite with Jesus in his heart for children. Um, oh man, I got to fly through this, but 
Every year we do a uh, Christmas offering, and these deals are huge. Tens of thousands, maybe $100,000, $200,000. And our, our commitment to Jesus and the children he loves is that uh, a major portion of that offering this year is going to be devoted to children. We're going to take care of our orphans. We have an orphanage in Haiti, and we're going to take care uh, of those little boys who are the poorest of the poor. Um, but we have hundreds of kids right here who are in this church over the course of a month, uh, everything from nursery up to middle school and high school kids. And we are going to make sure um, that they had the very best possible experience of Jesus. We are going to invest as generously in our kids as we can. But um, hundreds, there are thousands of children, middle school kids, high school kids who are far from God. Jesus isn't even on their parents' radar, so he's not on their radar. And we want to put Jesus on their radar. And so significant portions of that offering will go to reach kids. We have kids coming here from like 20 different middle schools and high schools. I, can't even, I don't even know the number of elementary schools. But we want to reach every child in our community with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, the first weekend in December, this is a deal here, kind of a tradition, we collect winter gear for children who don't have coats and hats and gloves. My Debbie and I uh, were helping a homeless family. Uh, they were kicked out of the residence, so we go there. There's no furniture, zero furniture in the whole place. And as we take them out, they're wearing every stitch of clothing they own and not one coat in the mix. There are kids going to school and they're wearing multiple layers because they don't have coats. And so every year we want to fix that. And so we, we, just, we are going to bear the heart of Christ by loving children. Next. Um, we unite with Jesus in his heart for hurting people. Right, right now, we are in the process of collecting supplies for the homeless in our area because... Um, it's going to be a rugged winter. And so we're collecting socks and boots and gloves and hats and sleeping bags to help them. We want them to know that they are loved by God, loved by this church. So we're going to help them. My grandson, David, he's seven years old. He was baptized here two weeks ago. His dad, Jake, the young man that was up here hosting the service earlier, and I um, baptized David together. It was a moving moment. But you know, He's seven years old, and even as a grandpa, boy, I, I, I want to know that he knows what he's doing, and this is all about Jesus to him. Well, guess one of the first decisions David makes after being baptized? He decides that he is personally going to collect 100 items of non-perishable food to give to our food pantry, because every Wednesday, hungry people show up here, and we give them carts full of groceries to help carry them through the week. And I thought, man, that valid, that's all the proof I need that my grandson knew what he did and that Jesus has joined his heart because he's bearing his, the heart of Jesus for hungry people. And as we do it, all of us together, you bring your spam, I bring my pork and beans, <laughs> spaghetti and pasta, uh, spaghetti is pasta, and spaghetti sauce, you know, they univize us to know that we're helping the homeless, we're feeding the hungry. Okay, next. We, we unite with Jesus in his heart for baptism. Um, 
Baptism is everything to Jesus. He says, believe and be baptized and you will be saved. Believe and be baptized and you will be saved. Believe and be baptized. I don't think he probably said it once. I, I think he probably said it whenever he had opportunity. And I remind the people, we've got people being baptized today, and I remind them, you know what? Jesus is ready to shout out your name in heaven before God the Father and all the angels. And there is going to be this big bash, Twinkies and ding-dongs in heaven. They're going to party over you. So just as Jesus gets all fired up about baptisms, about your baptism, we've got to keep our hearts fired up for people surrendering to him and being buried with him and being raised up to walk in new life. So if, just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to the front if you'd like to be baptized today. I'll just meet you right down here. Um, if something has gone off on you over the course of this service, I, I believe that's God touching you. And... Um, So I'm inviting you today. Um, but we've got one more. One more way that we bear the heart of Jesus and it builds our unity and it's through communion. So I'm gonna ask everyone to stand this weekend. Take your communion elements. Okay. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he pulled back the cellophane on the top. <laughs> now he took bread. And I want you to break it if you can. Because he took bread and broke it and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. Friends, when his body was broken on the cross for you, it cut a permanent covenant, a, a permanent promise of peace between you and God. It's a bread of thanksgiving. Let's take it together in Jesus' name. The same night of his betrayal, in the same way he took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. This is a cup of blessing. We unite with our Jesus every weekend here by his blood, sins are forgiven. By his blood, there is hope of heaven. By his shed blood, release for us is the supernatural power of God to live the superabundant life of Jesus. Let's drink the cup together. Those of you who want to be baptized, if you come to the front, everyone else, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes as you stand because I'm gonna read a blessing over you from the word of God. Again, it's the apostle Paul who writes in Romans, may God who gives patience and encouragement help you live in complete unity with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then, then, then all of you can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.